Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, October the 6th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. How are things going, Jeff? Going great, Rod. Good. And we have a guest today that is Joey Myers, Browns fan. Joey, how are things going for you? Good, guys. You know, just got off work. Now it's time to talk about some Browns. Excellent. Excellent. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so uh, we, we got a lot to talk about for the Browns. But uh, before we get going on that, we're going to start out with our Blitz beverages. And I like to let the guests go first. So, Joey, are you are you drinking anything tonight? You know, I'm not. The only thing, I, I got some apple cider next to me it's in that fall fall mood so i'm got some apple cider uh that i'm drinking that's about it well that's not a bad choice i haven't had any yet but i'm a fan of apple cider how about you jeff yeah you know this is perfect time for apple cider isn't it yeah yeah i I love apple cider so yeah i'm gonna have to get some pretty soon so jeff i'm gonna swing it over to you you drinking a beer tonight uh, no, I'm laying off the beer tonight, Rod. I came home and grilled a couple of hamburgers and had a couple of glasses of wine with that. So I thought I'd better rehydrate before the podcast. So I've just switched over to water at this point. Okay. Okay. Well, guys, I I am drinking a Boulevard sixth glass tonight. This um, I bought a six of this a while ago. Um, this is a 10.2% uh, Belgian quadruple, okay? This is like nectar of the gods, okay? This is a great beer. Um, I, I'm drinking this in celebration of of the life of Eddie Van Halen. Nice. Um, don't, don't choke up too much, Rod. <laughs> you know, I... I it's tough, man. Um, you know, I know I know he fought cancer for a long time, so you just got to celebrate. But, you know, he's, uh, you know, 10 years. It's tough. But, um, you know, losing him, you know, and it's not too long ago we lost Neil Pert of Rush. Um, it's just kind of. And um, let's see, who was right before that? Uh, Tom Petty. Um, yeah, it's been rough. You know, all guys been a while. Grew up yeah. with, you know, just just but all these guys that we grew up with, you know, um, it just kind of makes you makes you feel old, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes you feel old, you know. And I'm just kind of thinking, you know, um, I don't know. It's just kind of like, uh, you know, some of these guys were just kind of, you know, they're just kind of like the backdrop of your, you know, I don't even want to say youth. I mean. You know, uh, Van Halen was recording, you know, um, you know, 20 years ago. It's not like I was a, a kid or anything, you know, it's kind of more more over the course of my life. And they're kind of one of the main groups I really liked, you know, when I was really getting into music and everything. So and I'm just kind of, so you know, were, were you a David Lee Roth or a Sammy Hagar guy? You know, I I like I really love the stuff with David Lee Roth, but when Sammy came on, I really I really like Sammy as a singer. Um, and I know most people are David Lee Roth fans because of the stuff Van Halen put out with David Lee Roth. But 
comparing the two guys, I would rather listen to Sammy sing. That's just me. That's just me. So yep. Um, yep. I, I appreciate both both ends Different of styles. it. Different styles. Yeah, from the Sammy side, they really put out some some good stuff because of Sammy's vocals. But man, the early Van Halen stuff is just. Uh, um, I mean, it's just incredible. Um, just hard to, it's hard to, um, compare to anything else, really. You know, that, the, that first Van Halen album, um, I mean, Sam, uh, you know, um, Eddie was, was an innovator. Um, you know, he did a lot of stuff other people just didn't do. So, you know, wherever you rate him as a guitar player, whether you think he was the greatest to ever live or whether you think, you know, ah, you know, he just did some trick stuff, you know, top three. He's yeah, probably I mean, top he's, three to anybody. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's definitely, you know, um, probably the most famous guitar player of our lifetime, you know. Um, so, it, you, you know, know it's, I, it, go ahead, Jeff. I can't listen to, to Jump without, um, thinking back to the art model days and the jump art signs, you know, just to kind of bring this back to football. But um, yeah. every, every time I hear the song jump, I think of people wanting art to jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just had so many innovative and catchy, you know, licks on the guitar and just, you know, um, it, it's sad, but, you know, I, I know he, he had a rough go of it with the cancer, so you kind of have to appreciate the fact that he's not fighting that anymore. So um, definitely wanted well, to touch on that. Um, sad day in that respect. Just, uh, yep. you know, just something else that kind of sucks about 2020, I guess. There you <laughs> go. Say. Yep. So let's, uh, after that detour, let's get back to the Browns, guys. And we've got a lot of football to talk about, so... Um, the Browns three and one for the first time since I believe 2001. Is I didn't research this, but that's what somebody told me on Twitter. So I'm gonna I'm gonna believe it. And, you know, Twitter's unless I hear otherwise. Right. Yeah, it sounds about right. So um, three and one, first time in 19, 19 years. And man, that was a game. Um, we saw we saw a thousand yards of offense in that game, guys. Um, it, you know, it, it's ridiculous what what happened in that game. Um, really hard to even remember half the plays because there were so many scoring plays in that game. Um, but uh, you know, the Browns come out on top, and th that's all that matters. They're three and one. Uh, people can say, well, you know, it's it's only Dallas. You know, that that's what they said about Washington and and Cincinnati too. But you know what? Three and one in the NFL is three and one in the NFL. So we're going to take it and appreciate it. So let me go to you guys and get, get your, get uh, just some basic thoughts, first of all, about that game. And, and Joey, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts about that game? Um, just a couple of takeaways maybe from, from watching that Dallas game. So I've watched pretty much as most of the game I could uh, while being at work. But from what I was noticing from highlights and while watching is this team was different compared to last year's because they were able to capitalize off turnovers. Not Now, they did miss some interceptions that they uh, should have had. 
um, one with Sendejo, one with Harrison. Both should have had interceptions. But the fumbles, they were able to turn into points. I think previous years, I think they were they had problems doing that, um, turning turnovers into points and points and keeping momentum. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the run game is still what everybody, I think, will be, even with Nick Chubb out, I think Dernish Johnson will kind of fill in and be a great number two back behind Kareem Hunt. And I think Kareem Hunt's just going to be Nick Chubb, just Kareem Hunt's version. Um, The offense still looks good. Uh, Defense, I think, needs to continue to work on communication a little bit. I think with no preseason, no full-framed offseason, I don't think they were able to get that communication as high as they wanted. So I think it's still going to take a couple weeks. Um, but I, I think overall that this team, and I told my grandfather this, I said, based off what I've seen in the past, this team looks like they're different. And, you know, it's still the Browns and you hate to say that because I feel like every year we say, oh, this team's different. This team's destined to do something. But I feel like this team is actually built with a single identity and they know what they want to do with the ball. And then it just opens up eight different doors on the offensive side. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Jeff, do you want to either respond to that or just uh, kind of give us some of your thoughts? Yeah, I think Joey's right. It, it, it's encouraging to see, um, you know, how this team has has blossomed so early. Um, I think it's a lot quicker than anybody anticipated. Um, you know, even the most jaded Browns fans probably didn't expect us to be three and one at this point. Um, but as far as the Cowboys game goes, um, I think this is today's NFL. Um, you know, it's, it's a pass happy league. It's a high scoring league. Um, games are going to be shootouts. Um, and that, that's exactly what we saw. We saw a a shootout where there there wasn't really a lot of defense played other than, you know, I, I thought miles had a great game pressuring Dak mm-hmm. um you know Denzel I thought played played extremely well looked like the Denzel that that we see when he's healthy um you know playing at that at all pro level but um you know otherwise we're we're, we're going to be in shootouts this year I just I think every week um so buckle up I, I agree with that yeah and even as high High-scoring game as this was, the Browns still, and I'm saying the Browns because Jarvis had the one pass, uh, still only threw the ball 31 times as opposed to the last two weeks. I think Baker's, I'm not sure if it's exactly 23 passes each week, but right around that that area in the, in the prior two games. Uh, of course, the Browns rushed for almost 300 yards in this game, but they still only threw the ball 31 times. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a couple more passes than we'd like to see. Baker throw, but I mean, when they're, you know, when they're scoring that many points, you're certainly not going to complain about it. Um, and Baker, again, two touchdowns, no, no picks. Um, you know, he's, he's taking care of the football. So uh, Jeff, I'll let you start off on this. Do you feel like this game was another step in a progression for Baker? I think, you know, I don't, I don't know progression wise, if that's the right word. Um, I think we're looking for him to 
repeat um, the, the, these types of efforts. And, you know, I, I don't think there's really any need for him to um, carry the team at any point. You know, mm-hmm. um, some, some fans are kind of upset that, you know, he's not putting up bigger numbers and stuff. Um, with, with all the weapons that we have and everything, yeah, I, I guess, you know, maybe you'd like to, you'd like to see, um, 400 yards of passing at some point and, you know, a bunch of touchdowns through the air and stuff, but you know, the Cowboys do that. Look at where they're at. So I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the fact that he's consistent. He's completing passes, um, you know, at a high rate. Uh, and mostly that the, the coaching staff has put him in a position to succeed. I think this system is is built around his strengths. Um, I, I I will say that the one thing that I'm still a little concerned about is his pocket presence. Um, they're, they've they've built this offense around him moving around and you know um, rolling out at times. There's there's designed rollouts. But I, I still think he needs to become more comfortable in the pocket and trust his offensive line enough to step up at times. Um, he's still a little bit jittery um, about bailing uh, on a play a little quick. But, um, you know, I think that's going to come as, as these guys play together and, you know, they build confidence um, with each other. So I'm perfectly happy with where Baker's at right now. Um, I, I've said early on that, you know, he needs to perform at a certain level this year and we need to get wins. Um, I think he's doing it. And mm-hmm. if he keeps doing it the way it's been going the last few games, terrific. So Joey, are you happy with what you're seeing out of Baker as far as the production? I am. Honestly, it's, I feel like it's the rookie Baker we've seen with more confidence. Um, than what he came into his rookie year. And I think him being able to go out and start three and one. Yeah. Start three and one. Um, I think it's just giving him the confidence boost. I think what is still troublesome is how he, his pump fake. I think he pump fakes way too much inside the pocket. Um, I think he, when they call the play and I think they run it, I think he questions some of his throws that he makes before he does. And I think that's one thing he actually has to work on because I've noticed in the Cowboys game and some of the past games, when he goes to throw the ball, he pump fakes, draws it down, rolls out, and then he kind of puts himself in a corner coffin because a defender's coming in to get him or he's got to run out of bounds. And most of the time, he throws that ball on the sideline and it Uh just goes out. Um, I think that is one thing he needs to work on is, you know, he needs to – trust in his throws a little bit sooner. Um, you know, I get pump fakes are in the game and I get, you know, sometimes your first read isn't there. You got to go to your second read, but some of his pump fakes, when you go back and watch a replay, I don't know if he's just afraid to throw the ball sometimes, or if he is just not trusting that player in that certain position or what, but I think that's one thing he just got to work on. But honestly, Baker's doing Baker things and I'm, and I'm loving it. I'm, it's exciting to, you know, be a fan and watch them be three and Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I think it was during one of last night's games, one of the announcers, I think maybe it was during the halftime 
show they were talking um they were talking about uh and i'm not gonna be able to give credit to anybody on this because i can't remember who was saying it but they were talking about the fact of uh you know it being a passing league and they mentioned that the teams the number of teams that over the past however many years that have had a higher percentage of or, or more running plays than passing plays on the season which the Browns have done so far and and what has happened with those teams and those teams have been very successful so while the while it is a passing uh, you know league right now what the Browns are doing and running the ball more than passing and the type of defense they're playing trying to trying to hold the other team down, you know, make the stops when they have to and, and play for the turnover is really what a lot of su- successful teams have done. Is that they, they named three teams, and I think a couple of them either made it to the championship game or, or the Super Bowl in, in recent years. So um, it's definitely, definitely interesting, and it shows you that, that the Browns are on the right track. Uh, you guys talked a little bit about uh, Dearness Johnson, uh, Nick Chubb with the MCL strains out for, uh, and we're not sure, but they're saying somewhere somewhere around six weeks. If we know Nick Chubb, he'll probably be back in four or five, uh, just because of the just because of how he, who he is and how hard he works and and all that. Um, hopefully, he doesn't come back too soon. But um, knowing him, he'll be back pretty quick. So um, what do you think that does to the team? Do you think we'll see much of a difference? I, obviously, it didn't make much of a difference against the Cowboys. But, Jeff, do you think it's – I mean, it's hard to say it's not going to hurt the team when you lose Nick Chubb. But how much of a difference do you think it's going to make? Well, hopefully it doesn't make much difference. I think it'll make a little bit of difference. I'm, I'm of the same mind that you are, that you don't replace a talent of that level. Um, but you know, next man up should be able to get you 75, 80% of, you know, what Nick Chubb brings, um, assuming that everything else is equal, you know, that, that, that the offensive line is creating the holes and, um, you know, play calling doesn't change dramatically. Um, you know, if, if our system is right, um, much like a lot of other teams that we've seen over the years, if, if you have a system that's right, you can plug the next guy in and, and get fairly close to the same type of result. Um, the caveat with that, I think, is that this is still a very young organization. Um, you know, we don't have years of, of experience and cohesion to, to do that, you know, to just be able to plug the next guy in. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see it, you know, work that well for us this year. I think that's something, you know, that we'll, we'll look for as, you know, time goes on where we can just plug guys in like that. Uh, we've seen some of that so far. And that's that's very encouraging. Um, but I, I would still think that, you know, between Hunt and, and the other guys um, who we saw play against the Cowboys, um, this still has to be a run first offense um and you know if if we can continue with that identity over the next several weeks and then bring nick chubb back man we just get that much better right yeah yeah i agree uh joe you have anything to add there or any different thoughts about the the running game i I think it's not going to change much at all um 
I you can't replace Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is more of a uh, kind of hit silent majority kind of on the uh, team. Doesn't say anything, but you know when the team needs a voice, Nick Chubb is that voice, and that's his running game. Is his voice pretty much? But I mean, you know, they said at the beginning of the year the Browns could have one of the best backfield duos with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt if they play up to their potential. So far, they both have. I mean, you've seen it when they take Nick Chubb out halfway through the game to get him some rest. Kareem Hunt does the same thing. He works hard. He's a hard runner. He's not left and right. He's up and down. Um, Johnson is kind of the same thing. He kind of gives uh, me, and I've been seeing a lot of people say this, Alvin Kamara vibes. Um, just the way he runs. And I think I think with the Ernest Johnson being the number two now, I think um, it's going to be a little lackluster to start off with, but I still think Kareem Hunt's going to be a great number one. And then when, like Jeff said, when, you know, Nick Chubb comes back, it's could be a three-headed monster for all we know. We might be running a full house. Yeah, Those I think it's guys- great. To- Go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say those two guys, by the way, had uh, 166 yards on 24 carries against the Cowboys. Yeah, not too bad. Not too Dearness bad. Johnson and Kareem Hunt. I mean, I think they complement each other pretty well. Um, you know, Kareem is is like uh, Joey said, he's kind of a, a scat back type of a runner. Um, Dearness Johnson is more of an upright kind of a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fun to watch. You know, I mean, uh, I don't think he's I think he's got that, you know, finishing ability that Nick Chubb has where he's going to drag a guy for three or four yards. Um, so his, you know, instead of instead of the Browns averaging, you know, eight or nine or ten yards a carry, they might only average six or seven. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah I've been hearing good things about Dearness Johnson since the Browns signed him. And it, it's, it was great to see him get the shot that he got on Sunday. Not, you know, I'm not saying I'm glad that Nick Chubb got hurt, but I'm glad that Dearness Johnson was able to capitalize on that opportunity and show people the talent that he has. And of course he's running behind, uh, you know, what's getting to be known as an excellent offensive line here for the Browns. Um, to get, these guys are playing great, but um, yeah, to gain almost a hundred yards in, in that game. And man, the Browns really spread it out on the ground. Um, that, you know, it was a lot of fun to watch and I'm really not sure what's going to happen because the Browns, uh, you know, they, they've been starting every game. They had been starting every game with Nick Chubb back there. And I think, like you said, Nick Chubb's kind of the guy to, to get in there and pound it a little bit. Kareem Hunt is, is not afraid of contact and of dragging guys, but you know, he's been coming in later in the game. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they go Kareem early and Dearness Johnson late or if they do something different, maybe maybe just kind of mix them both in early because of right. the different styles. Um, the the running back we or not the running back, but the runner we haven't talked about is Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> With the two reverses, <laughs> uh, you know, seventy three yards in that fifty yarder, which pretty much put the nail in the coffin, you know, at the end of the game. Guys, how long, give me an over-under on how long it will be before Odell returns the favor and they do a reverse and Odell hits Jarvis for a touchdown. <laughs> I give it two games. That's what I was thinking. How many games do you think, Jeff? 
Well, I don't know that you can go to that well quite that quickly again. Um, you know, the gadget plays are great, but they have to work against a specific opponent. So when you, you know, when you scout your opponent and see vulnerabilities to that kind of a play, well, I don't sure. think it necessarily works against the Ravens, you know. So um, I think we'll see a lot more of those kinds of plays just because Stefanski is a gambler, which is great. He's willing to take those kinds of risks. And I, I like that he does it at, at the right points in games where, you know, it's not going to break your back if it doesn't work. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll probably see, you know, that happen at some point in this season. I, I, I don't know. It might be three or four or five games down the road. Okay. So Jeff's taking the over on the two and we'll, yeah, I'm we'll, always uh, taking the over with the Browns. Okay. <laughs> Pretty smart. Yeah. Joe and I are going to go for two and Jeff will take the over. So we'll see what happens, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, the, uh, the Colts who we'll talk about here in a minute. Yeah. They're, They've been a little bit better defensively, I think, overall than than uh, you know some of the recent teams the Browns have played. So I think uh, the maybe they'll cover more disciplined. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, you know, my thought is Odell's been pretty successful in this reverse. They, you know, he could bring some guys in, and you never know. Jarvis could be sitting there wide open one time. So right, uh, I mean, you know, you you have to think too that teams are watching film on the Browns, and you know. Now they have to worry about that kind of play. Yeah. What does that open up? Right, right. I think that's one of the hard things. I think the Browns are so hard to watch film because they're a running team, but it doesn't – I don't think – they might be a running team, but you give them a split second, they can turn into a passing team real quick. And I think we've seen it where, you know, if our offense is clicking, I think we can get it going to Odell, Jarvis, Austin Hooper – Bryant, you know, Najoku should be coming back either this week or the following week. I can't remember. I think it was this week. But, I mean, I think the Browns are going to be one of the harder teams to stay scouting because one week they could run the ball 45 times, have 200 yards on the ground, have 150 yards in the air. The next week they can have 400 yards in the air and 100 yards on the ground. And it just keeps the teams on surprised i think there's potential for that i don't know that that's typically going to be a game plan they're going to go for but you know again i think this coaching staff is is probably good at what jeff's talking about and that's looking at the vulnerabilities of the the opponent and if they see something's open they're probably going to go for it well and and if we end up you know we find ourselves behind in a game um, you know, we certainly have the ability to shift to that type of an approach to catch up. Um, I just, I hope we're not in that position very often. Yeah, you look and you look at the receivers, the Browns are really, you know, they really started to spread the ball around even more. You know, Odell and Jarvis each had five catches. Harrison Bryant had four and Austin Hooper had five. Uh, that's kind of almost more like what I was expecting to see, especially in a higher scoring game. So it, it shows you they have faith. In, of course, you know, they have faith in Austin Hooper. But to, you know, to uh, to throw the ball to Harrison Bryant, um, well, four catches on four targets. So, you know, obviously the kid can catch the ball. So um, they're not afraid to go to him. And I don't think that's going to stop. I think they're going to keep going to him. Well, a few weeks back, Rod, we talked about, you know, who's the third receiver. 
And, you know, we, we thought it would be some combination of Kareem Hunt and, and Harrison Bryant. And it, that's really coming to fruition. Um, you know, those, those two guys are getting the snaps that, you know, we were wondering would hit, would Hollywood Higgins get, or, you know, who would get those, those third receiver snaps. And it, it's those two guys. The Browns Blitz is brought to you by Skippin' Stones, S-K-I-P-P-I-N-S-T-O-N-E-Z. Skippin' Stones, check them out on Etsy.com, GoImagine.com, or on Twitter, at Skippin' Stones. Handmade jewelry, yoga bracelets, mask lanyards, and other great gift ideas accompanied by free shipping on qualifying orders. Check them out now, and now back to the Browns Blitz. Yeah, and you know, and looking at the stats a little bit deeper here, you look at Dearness Johnson got 13 carries, Kareem Hunt got 11, and Kareem Hunt was not, uh, at least he's not showing up as being targeted. So I think Kareem Hunt was probably still bothered by that, uh, I believe it was a growing pole. Right. Um, I'm not mistaken. So I think they were kind of trying to take it a little bit easy on him. So hopefully he'll be at full strength, you know, next next weekend. Because uh, they're they're going to I think uh, be looking to give him a bit more a bit more of a load next week. So Jeff, there was a bit of chatter on Twitter. There has been pretty much since the game, and even going back before this, uh, the Browns safety Andrew Sandejo. Uh, people just don't like him, you know. And I know <laughs> he's not a great player, um, you know. He's not the best player on the defense. Uh, people might argue he's the the weakest link on the you know on the starting uh you know of the starters on defense um we want to hear your perspective and some of the discussions you've had so i'm gonna turn it over to you and let you let you unload all right, all right. well you know look I'm, I'm not all that upset about it anymore um but, but <laughs> <Looks> good <laughs> to to be honest i let me preface this by saying that I did not watch the game live. Um, I was involved, as you know, in a big project with my son at his house. And I recorded the game and I came home and watched it Sunday evening, um, already knowing the outcome. Um, so, you know, I, I really wasn't on the edge of my seat in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I kind of knew how it was going to play out. I had seen some of the highlights on Twitter and so forth couple people had texted me stuff. So um, it, that, by the way, is a, is a much more enjoyable way to watch a Browns game. Um, you know, when your um, blood pressure is, you know, crashing and, and skyrocketing alternately. Probably a little um, healthier. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, anyway, I, you know, as I was watching the game, I was, I was, and, and, you know, I'm not an X's and O guy. I, I don't profess to be, that um but i was just watching the game how it unfolded uh based on some of the comments that were being made during the game okay um you know there was a lot of of sniping about sandejo blowing plays um you know he got burnt on so many touchdowns and and so forth um the way i looked at it was the Browns were, were winning 41 to 14 at the end of the third quarter. Um, they had, had clearly won the second and third quarters. Uh, the first quarter was, 
not real impressive. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of the first quarter, I, you know, if, if you're, if you're not knowing the outcome, you probably didn't feel real good about <laughs> how they were playing. Okay. No. Well, the second and third quarter, the defense really, um, in my mind, swung the momentum. It started out with the Garrett strip sack. That to me was the critical play that swung the momentum in the Browns favor in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that swung or, or continued that momentum in the Browns favor was the strip by Sendejo that, yeah. that created another turnover that led to another Browns offensive touchdown. Okay. Um, by the time we get to the fourth quarter, the Browns are up 24, 14. Um, now it's about just managing the clock and, I know everybody hates to prevent defense. I hate prevent defense. I, you know, we, it would be great if, if, you know, like in college, they would, you know, just keep scoring and run up, you know, 70 to 14 on, on people. But that's just not how the NFL works. Mm. Um, you can't expect these guys to play at that pace through the fourth quarter. Uh, the defense, to me, at, at that point, the defense had done they had They had – kept the Dallas Cowboys to 14 points through three quarters. Now we're going to shift our focus defensively. We're going to keep guys in front of us. We're going to eat clock and we're going to get the ball back to our offense. The reason that we had an issue in the fourth quarter with the game getting close is because our offense, for whatever reason, decided to take the rest of the game off. Um, It's true. Honestly, we, we went three and out. How many times? Um, several. I might have had one. Might have had one first down in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know. So my point being with Anderson Dejo, he is the last line of defense on that side of the ball. Um, he is. If if he is the guy that we're counting on to stop the other team from scoring on every play. If he's the guy that we're going to criticize for not stopping them, um, we've got other issues in our secondary and with our defense as a whole. Um, here's the, the 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 pro football focus ratings for the guys on defense. Uh, and I just took this from one of the Cleveland.com articles, so if it's not right, it's their fault. Miles um, Garrett was uh, 84.7. Denzel Ward was 78.5. Those two guys are, I mean, you can't argue they both had great games. Mm-hmm. Okay. But even Denzel got beat for a touchdown. Um, Vincent Taylor, um, as a backup on the D line, 27 sacks was rated 73.7. Um, Malcolm Smith, 61.1. Guess who was next? Andrew Sandejo, 57.3. There's a whole bunch of guys worse than him. And on the run stopping side, Sandejo was rated at a 92.5. Now, I am not saying he's an all-pro. In coverage, he's not the strongest guy. And when he did give up that touchdown, I was screaming, why do they have him in there as opposed to a nickel back? Well, apparently the coaches feel that he is the most complete player at that position. And that is the conversation I've had with, with people on Twitter the last several days is, if the coaches felt like they had a more complete player than Sandejo, he would be out on the field. That player would be out on the field. Sandejo brings 
the best, most complete game at free safety right now on this team. And yes, Ronnie Harrison had 11 good snaps. But to sit there and say that if we had plugged Ronnie Harrison in for Andrew Sandejo in the fourth quarter, we would have only given up 14 points to the Cowboys. We still would have won the game, but it just would have been more impressive, right? I think that's a bunch of baloney. So I think Sandejo is doing a great job for what he was brought in here to do and stepping up into a full-time role. Um, He's not going to be perfect, but the criticism is unwarranted. And what really irritates me is it's, it's a lot of the same people that say we can't criticize other players. If we can't criticize certain players, why can we criticize other players? Uh, people calling for Sandejo to be cut was absolutely ludicrous to me, and I'm done venting. Thanks. All right. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even – he's not – he was not supposed to be starting. You know, right. He, he stepped up, and he's playing. And like you said, if the coaches put you out there because they feel you're the best option, he's out there trying – you know, he's out there doing the best he can. And and it seems to me, from what you said about his grades, he's he's not doing too bad. So you know, uh, the defense is is not is definitely not a finished product yet. Uh, you know, they're going to add some pieces. Um, going to hopefully get Grant Delpit back next season. So you know, they're, they're going to keep working on it. But yeah, you're you're not going to cut a starter. <laughs> that was silly. <laughs> right. So, uh, Joe, you you uh, kind of had to be quiet through all that. Do you have any any thoughts or anything you want to add to that conversation? No, I just think uh, you know, going back to what I said earlier with the whole communication thing, I think that's what this one team, the this team is struggling with. And I think uh, the Sandejo touchdown to CD Lamb, or when he was supposed to be over the top, I think that's just a communication error. Um, Sandejo. You know, if you go over his career with uh, Kansas City, I don't think he was ever a good cover corner. He was more of a uh, man, not really, or safety. I'm at. He's more of a in the box. You know, stopping the run and your face, kind of a uh, extra linebacker on the field, just playing a safety position. So I think you know, communication's got to get better. But um, I think eventually. We might see Sandejo getting replaced by Harrison um, in that safety role. But other than that, I just yeah. think communication is going to be key. As long as it's his job, he's going to go out and do the best he can. And, Jeff, you're so absolutely right. my question right. is, is does this team have a true free safety on the roster right now? No. I don't, no, I don't think so. No, no. And, um, yeah, so they're just going to put out whoever they think can do the best. And let's face it, Sandejo pretty much, and I don't think there's a safety out there who's going to cover C.D. Lamb one-on-one. Okay, right. nobody's going to be able to keep up with him one-on-one. So My point so, exactly. Who's our nickelback? She's um, at, with the guys out? I, I don't even know who our nickelback <laughs> I is. Think it's, no. I think it would be Tavor Thomas. Right. Right. So, I mean, so, but then again, you got to remember with Mitchell, 
Mitchell would probably end up being well. Mitchell's probably going to be the two corner until either a greedy comes back or greedy doesn't come back and gets pushed into a nickel role and something happens to greedy at the end of the season. Yeah. Right. So we're we're playing essentially without a free safety and without a nickel back right now. Yeah. And and we and we want we want our defensive backs to be able to shut other teams passing games down. Which hardly uh, anybody in the league does anyways for even, for even, even one game, let alone a season. Right. Even fully staffed, you're not shutting down other teams passing games. The way the rules are set up in the NFL. Yeah, it just doesn't happen. So yes, there's there's plenty of room for improvement with the defense, but um, hey, as long as we score more than the other guy, who cares? Yeah, and I love the way the defense is playing overall. I mean, you know, people can talk about yards and everything and and the points they gave up, but if they're in there fighting for the ball and getting turnovers and making some stops, that's that's all we can ask for out of this defense right now. And and putting pressure on the quarterback like Miles and the guys up front are doing. Um, this defense has this defense is more fun to watch just because of the pressure on the quarterback and the turnovers than than any defense we've had, you know, in, in at least a few years, I think. Right. So the guys, turnovers have really been what has been the difference maker. Yeah. Definitely. So let let's move on to next week and talk a little bit about Indy to uh, um, Indianapolis. The uh, Indianapolis Colts come to town, and you know I had to double check the schedule. We go to Dallas and play at one, and then the Colts come to Cleveland, and the game's at four thirty. Good. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's just kind of weird. I guess I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, when they play these things, when there aren't that many fans going to the games, um, but yeah, the Colts uh, Colts are also three and one. But if you look at their schedule, and I'm sure the Colts fans are looking at the Browns' schedule, you know, and, and the games that they've been in. Colts Colts took a loss week one at Jacksonville, twenty-seven to twenty. So they get beat by the Jags. Uh, they then beat Minnesota, who's who doesn't have a win, uh, 28-11. They won that game at home. Uh, clobbered the the hapless Jets, 36-7 at home, and then they just went to Chicago and won 19-11. So they're they're three and one, just like the Browns. Um, they have a. Uh, they have a nice defense. They've got a strong offensive line. Um, they're uh, taking care of the football. Um, should be an interesting game. I think on their uh, trying to see if I can get to their uh, their uh, where they stand on turnovers. They're plus four on turnovers. I think the Browns are plus six or something like that. So um, but they have not given up. Uh, a whole lot, their defense. Of course, you look at the teams they've played, and that's part of it. Um, they've only given up, I think, six touchdowns in, in four games. So this appears to be a strength-on-strength strength game. You know, the Browns offense against the Colts defense. Um, let, me go, let me go to Joey first on this one. Joey, wh- what do you expect in this game? What are you looking at, you know, as, as the most important factors 
in you know in in what the Browns need to do or or what's going to uh, shape the outcome of this game? Well, the number one factor is running. I, if they got to pretend Nick Chubb is still in that lineup with Kareem Hunt, uh, they can't you know pull the brakes off. They can't struggle in the run game because I, I think if they struggle in the run game, they're going to struggle the whole rest of the game. Second one is going to be defense. You got to have the uh, defense got to play like they did against Dallas. Um, yes, they you know gave up thirty or twenty eight points or whatever it was to you know come back, um, almost make a comeback. But the defense needs to stand tall, play sixty minutes. Um, and third is you know if you know when teams start coming back, you know keep pressing the pedal. Don't let up. Um, learn control clock again, like they did. I know uh, in the game against Dallas, they said Browns had ten more minutes than the Cowboys did, and I was the middle of fourth quarter. So I think they just need it as long as they hold the ball and do what they did against Dallas. I think it should still be good. But this Colts team, um, you know, if they play like they did a couple weeks ago, I think it's going to be a better game than what the Cowboys game was. But it's a new week, you know, record zero zero in everybody's mind. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? Well, the Colts are number one in the league in um, opponents yardage. Um, and they're only giving up 14 points a game. And you can say what you will about who they've played. But um, we're four games in. And, and to me, that, you know, that's a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that tells me that there's going to be a premium placed on points scored, um, and protecting the football. So the Browns, A, need to make sure that they protect the football, uh, don't turn it over and, and B, capitalize on every scoring opportunity. Um, so I, I look for this to be a lower scoring game than what we've seen the last three weeks. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty close. This may come down to a perky field goal. Oh, <laughs> the moans from the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm. Yeah, I agree. I think. Uh, I think that. Um, the. I mean, the Colts' defense is is pretty is pretty good. At least, you know, looking at, at what they've done so far this season. Like you said, if we're getting, if we're going to give the Browns credit for the wins they have against the teams they've played. We we have to do the same thing for the Colts because the Colts' schedule is right, you know, kind of in the same ballpark as the Browns. Um, you know, without looking at all the records and everything, um, it, it's very similar. I'm sure the Colts feel the same way the Browns do. They're both three and one, but probably most people in the league aren't giving them the credit that they feel that they should for being three and one. But the Colts' offense um, really is not a juggernaut. At, at all, um, they haven't put up a lot of a lot of yards or a lot of points uh, necessarily. Well, they've they scored actually they've scored quite a few points, but I'm looking and I think they've scored nine touchdowns and nine touchdowns of four games. So they must have they must have scored some points on defense um, with, with looking at the scores of their games. But um, but yeah, you, you look at go ahead. I was going to say, I know they had a pick six against the Jets. Um, I think it was the first play Darnell 
through. I think it was a pick six. I could be wrong, but I know they had a pick six against the Jets. So yeah, I'd say they're either kicking a ton of field goals or they're getting some touchdowns on, on defense with how many points they've scored and the fact that they've scored nine touchdowns on offense. Because <laughs> that the, just doesn't equate. Because their first three games, they, they scored 27, 28, and 36. And then they scored 19 against, against Chicago. But I think they had a bunch of field goals against Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting um, because I think the the Browns' defense, in theory, should have a little bit of an easier time against you know against the Colts' offense. Uh, we'll see, but the Browns' offense, you know, it should be a little bit tougher. So, so yeah, yeah, I could see it being a close game, um, but it, it's it's at home. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't seen much of the Colts playing this season. I hear that Phillip Rivers' uh, arm is not what it used to be. Um, I don't know if either one of you guys <laughs> can mine. confirm that. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, you know, if his arm looks like Drew Brees, uh, you know, the same type of arm, then that's definitely yeah. a bonus for, for the Browns. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you don't need a ton of velocity if you know where you're throwing it, I guess. You know, but... Uh, if the uh, if the deep passing game is taken off the table, it's definitely at least one less thing you have to worry about. So, um, just historically, Rod, real quick. Yeah, um, go ahead. The last nine times the Browns have played the Colts uh, in the new era, going back to '99, um, the Colts have won eight times. <laughs> They've all been close. They've all been close games. Yeah, but how many of those times were in the in the Peyton Manning era where the Colts were pretty darn good and the Browns were not, though? You know, well, um, sure, yeah. you know, probably probably several anyway. So, uh, but yeah, as you would say that it, that is what you would call a trend. That's a trend. But um, <laughs> you know, I don't think this Browns team cares about any type of history. Right. You know, if you if you heard the interview with Baker after after the win, you know the the uh, announcer asked Baker, you know, said, you know, the last time the rounds were three and one, and Baker's like, yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, right. he's like, you know, we're playing for now. <laughs> Doesn't matter. So they're not. That's too, a great approach. Yeah, they're not tied up in history. It, their thought is, this is our team. We're playing this season. Nothing else matters. And they're not, they're not, woe is us. We're the Browns. We got to really, really try to turn this around. We're like, they're like, this is our team. We're going to go out and do our thing. And, you know, and, and we're listening to the coach and he's got a great philosophy and, you know, and that's it. So that's the mind, that's the mindset they got to have. It's, you know, it's, it's working. And, um, and what else can you say? Do do you guys want to give actual score predictions for this game? Jeff? Sure. I'll take a shot at this one. Um, I'm going to say 24-21. Browns. I like it. Uh, I think it's going to be 24-17 Browns. Well, I'm not going to say 24 then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
You know what? I'll say, uh, I'll say 27, 27-21. All right, I was trying to see. You're, you're, you're giving Parkey another field goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm making it not go down to the end. I was trying to look <laughs> back. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I don't think. Um, trying to see. I don't have my my notes from my last podcast to see what score I said for the for the Dallas game. It wasn't nearly high enough. I think I I think I had the Browns winning by by seven or ten, but it was a much lower scoring game than what it turned out to be. Right. So, um, what's uh, in in closing, then, guys? Uh, just to kind of wrap things up, what? And I'll I'll let you go first, Jeff. What do you feel? And we may have talked about this last time, but after after a couple more games, what's the difference this season in the Browns? What do you see, or what do you feel? is the difference, if you could put it into a couple words or a few words. I think the players have bought in. That To me, that that's obvious, just, just watching guys go about their business. Um, in the past, there was a lot of head down, grumbling, uh, people yelling at each other. Um, you just don't see any of that this season. Um, that's a culture thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and culture takes time, but it starts out with a precedent um, and it comes from the top. And once you establish that culture and, and you, you insist on it going forward, um, as guys come into the organization, they're forced to buy into it. I think that's the biggest thing that the Browns organization has lacked over the years is any sort of consistent culture that players can buy into when they get here. And you know, just seeing that happen over the first four games tells me a lot about the coaching staff um, and, and how they've approached um, players buying in to that culture. And that, that's a great thing to see. Um, hopefully that continues going forward. And Joey, what do you feel is the difference this season? I'm going to go with Jeff and say they bought in, but add in identity. I think the Browns finally have an identity with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt being the feature piece of the offense. I think that's what we were missing in past years is we didn't really have – identity to choose from it was kind of like the coach just went on and said okay we're gonna call this play we're gonna hope it works now that I think that we know what we want to do I think it's a whole different story because they know exactly what's gonna happen they know they're a running team running is first on this team's mindset so now they're gonna come in and want to run the ball 45 times a game and I think it shows a whole difference compared to last year when we didn't know what we were doing between each play. Yeah. I think you're yeah. exactly right, Joey. And, and just hearing OBJ say that, you know, that their goal is to get Nick Chubb a rushing title um, just backs all that up. Yeah. Yeah. 
And guys, I kind of screwed up when I uh, got off on the emotional Eddie Van Halen tangent. I didn't give Joey a chance to talk about his Browns journey, his his fandom. So, Joey, I want to give you a few minutes because that's kind of what makes our podcast unique is is giving you a chance, you know, fans a chance to to talk about their their fandom and and their journey as a Browns fan. So, um, you know, whatever you want to talk about here for a little bit, just kind of you know, how you became a Browns fan um, or memories or favorite players, anything you want to talk about here that's kind of gotten you to this point as a fan? Yeah, so, I mean, I uh, first started, so I'm a little bit of the newer generations about Browns fans. You know, I was born the year after they came back. I'm a 2000 baby, so I am young. But um, I uh, first got into it watching with my dad and uh he ended up getting cancer when I was very young, passed away, and kind of, I remember, you know, watch, sitting in the recline, Lazy Boy with him and watching Cleveland Browns on the TV, Sunday football, um, and when he passed away, I kind of continued that tradition with my grandpa. As I got older, we would go to my grandparents' houses on Sunday, and we would watch it with my aunts, uncles, and then uh, my dad's father, he would... I would go over and watch it with him. Same thing with the Indians. Um, I would watch the Indians with him. But as I started getting older and I was able to drive more, I went over and would watch the Browns every once in a while with him on Sunday. So I'm just, you know, a Browns fan by line of family. Uh, Currently, right now, you know, I have a huge uh, sports addiction. uh, Addicted to... uh, collecting cards, uh, memorabilia. I got a bunch of posters, old pennants from the Browns days that my dad had from the 80s and 90s with the AFC championship on them and all that stuff. Um, but right now, you know, I'm in college and I'm focusing my fandom to uh, my degree. Uh, I'm going for sports broadcasting. So it's kind of cool how Everything that I grew up doing as a kid, where watching sports with my grandparents and my father before he passed away, kind of, you know, shed the light into the career I want to choose and go into talking sports. And luckily, you guys giving me the opportunity to come on here is just a, another way that I can kind of put my voice out there. But not only that, just talk Browns football, which is the most important thing I like to do. That's excellent. Thanks for sharing that with us. I mean, everybody's got, you know, uh, a unique journey and it's, you know, it's great to hear about it. Um, Sorry about your dad. Um, I'm glad you have the, you know, the memories that you do of, of watching the games, you know, with him and your grandfather. Um, And it's really cool that the field that you're going into, you know, that's kind of going to tie all that together for you. So, yeah. And I, and I got a, throwing i've i've gained some good friendships over the uh years doing through sports especially going through school now and uh one of my best friends um you know he's been my buddy since fifth grade but me and him every year uh go up to training camp and uh it's one of those things where we go up we pick two days out of the whole training camp schedule and we go up and just go and sit and talk um, and it's kind of, me and him have become very close over the past couple months with COVID and all that going on. And, um, you know, he's one of those friends. If I need something, I can call 
same thing for him. But me and him would always go up to training camp, and uh, that's kind of where I knew I wanted to go in and do reporting because um, that's all I was interested in. I was always watching the sidelines, watching players do this and that, and um, it was kind of cool. Some people, you know, who weren't able to go as lucky, they were like, let me know what's going on with, you know, Baker Mayfield, how is he looking? What's Nick Chubb like? I went the first year, um, Nick Chubb was there, Baker Mayfield was there, Tyrod Taylor was there. I got Tyrod Taylor's autograph and Larry Joby's autograph. So I got to talk to those guys, and it's kind of cool to see. You know, I was able to give insight for people that weren't there, and it was kind of that's when I knew, uh, you know, Browns football and just reporting in general is kind of what I wanted to do. So that I figured I'd just throw that in. That's how I kind of got to the uh, assumption of going for sports broadcasting as a uh, career. That's great. Excellent. Nice. uh, Jeff, do you have any closing remarks you'd like to leave everybody with? Uh, Joey, I'm, you know, I'm a grandpa. So I come at this from the other end of the spectrum. But um, I will say that I'm, I'm, sure that he values your grandpa values those memories as much as you do. And I imagine he's very proud of you, young man. Thank you. Means a lot. And thank you guys. I just want to say again, thank you guys for letting me come on and uh, talk Browns with you guys. Means a lot. Absolutely. Hey, Joey, why don't you give your, uh, your Twitter handle so people can give you a follow. Yeah, it is. That's actually good. I don't even know it. Made Sorry, it I school. usually I, write it. I usually no, write them down. I didn't put yours you're down. You're good. <laughs> it's uh, at JPM63504. All right. All right. So, yeah, I tweet a little bit of football, but stole into that tweet any, or retweet stuff. So, I, I'm going to – I have a uh, – page i'm working on right now but it's not up yet but i'll end up posting something on there to notify for sports and all that that sounds good uh, you guys can follow jeff at disposer guru you can follow me at clear rod b this has been the browns blitz and we will catch you next time